Welcome to Staying the Course. Join us as we navigate the uncompromised Word of God with Pastor Brett Peterson. You know, there is one command that's given more than any other command, and it is fear not. Do not fear. Folks, as children of God, we have nothing to fear, not cancer, not coronavirus, not sickness, not losing a job. Because we're children of God, he is going to sustain us and bless us and hold us through. But always on Easter Sunday, I like to talk about the extra biblical proof that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again. Hold on one second as I do some IT things. All right. On this very day, about 1,991 years ago, Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You know, a lot of people say it was a myth. Some people say the disciples stole the body. Other people say that Jesus Christ never existed. Folks, if there's one story we need to validate in history, it's his story. Amen? And I believe we have all the evidence. There is nothing more that we need that Christ lived, died, and rose again. More than that, if you're a true born-again believer, you have the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your heart. You know God is real. You don't just believe. I kind of believe, but I don't know. True faith is knowing that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, and you are transformed, a new creation in Christ. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen? About a third of the world's population right now today is celebrating the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's more people than any other people group on the planet. It's the biggest religion on the planet. Folks, the Bible is the most authenticated book we have from antiquity. The truth of the matter is we can trust the scriptures and we know for a fact Jesus Christ came, died, and rose again from the dead. Jesus, one man, impacted the whole world. In fact, all of human history revolves around Jesus Christ. Who knows what B.C. and A.D. stands for? B.C. before Christ, A.D. is what? It's Latin, and it literally is Anno Domini. Who said that? You said that? <laughs> Good job, Russ. And it literally means in the year of our Lord. You know the Constitution of the United States it is dated in the year of our Lord. When we declared our independence, in the year of our Lord. B.C. stands for before the common era, but I like to say before the Christian era, <laughs> B.C.E. Uh, and uh, I just love that. Uh, scientists and people I uh, debate with hate when I do that because they always use B.C.E. and C.E., common area, Christian era. That's what I say. It's very good. Jesus coming to the earth is the most significant event in the history of mankind. I believe that if there's one thing we need to know for sure, it's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And on the resurrection, everything stands. In fact, Paul wrote, if there's no resurrection, 
eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow you die, and that's it. But he knew for a fact there was a resurrection because he had an encounter with God. In Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and you all are familiar with it, it says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Literally in the Greek, what that means is faith is the truth, the solid foundation of things hoped for, the conviction, a legal term, literally the evidence that leads to a conviction in a trial or a court of law. I believe we need to examine the evidence because I can tell you this. As a young man in church, I grew up in church. I always asked the Sunday school teachers and everybody, what's the evidence? Even in Bible college, I never really heard all the evidence of Christ's life. It's so important. So we're going to examine the proof of why we celebrate Resurrection Sunday, that literally all the proof. There are about 200 prophecies in the Old Testament that prophesy about who Messiah will be. If you take just eight of those and one man fulfills just eight, Peter Stoner, a statistician and scientist, said the chances are one and 10 to the 17th, or one that's literally in 100 quadrillion. But Jesus fulfilled all 200 prophecies. That's one of the biggest, uh, really, proofs we have that Christ is the Messiah, not to mention that he rose from the dead. We have four eyewitness accounts in the New Testament, the Gospels. Anyone who examines these four eyewitness accounts, all, even like uh, Simon Greenleaf, who uh, literally wrote three volumes, which are, uh, Mike, what are they called? The... Yeah, the, the, the evidence uh, really uh, of eyewitnesses, and he came to the conclusion there's no way this could have been contrived. We have many other eyewitness accounts, and we have extra-biblical accounts as well. Christianity spread throughout all of Rome, and in fact, by 400 A.D., Christianity became the religion of Rome. And they were killing Christians before that. You see, if it was not true, it wouldn't have spread through Rome because they were educated. They had philosophers. They had senate just like we do. They have everything that we have except technology. And Christianity literally spread throughout the Roman Empire. All the prophecies are amazing. But Jesus said this in John 17, 20. I do not pray for these alone, his disciples, but also for those who will believe in me through their word, and that's us. We have read the testimony, we've experienced Christ, and we know it's true. The Gospels are four different books, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. I love that Luke, who was a Gentile, wrote one of the Gospels. He was a convert, he wasn't even a Jew. God inspired them to write about the events that occurred, but he allowed them to tell their uh, own point of view in the stories. That's why we have some discrepancies in Resurrection Sunday account. One gospel says two angels were sitting on a stone outside. Another gospel says one young man was inside and told the, the women who came to the empty tomb that Jesus had indeed been risen. These are all const uh, 
discrepancies in the testimony, but literally it proves that the Bible wasn't copied, it wasn't rewritten, and the whole story wasn't contrived. Uh, Mike, in fact, our uh, attorney, <laughs> uh, he said that uh, if all the eyewitness accounts in an event all are exactly the same, it's evidence of fraud. And the disciples didn't get together and hide the body of Jesus and say, hey, let's get together and make sure our stories are the same. They all wrote from their point of view, and they're all different, but the only difference is this. The fact of the events that Christ died was in the tomb, the tomb was empty, and he appeared to them, all testify to the fact that Christ rose again from the dead. All right. So in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For we did not follow cleverly devised tales when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when we, he received honor and glory from God the Father, such an utterance as this was made to him by the majestic glory. This is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased. And we ourselves heard this utterance made from heaven when we were with him on the holy mountain. So we have the prophetic word made more sure, to which you do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star arises in your heart. No collection of works when it comes to the gospels recording the events of Christ's life, death, and resurrection have undergone more scrutiny than the four gospels. People have tried to disprove these since they were written, and no one has been able to do so. The truth of the Bible still stands. Luke was an educated man, more than likely a doctor. He was a Roman. He wasn't a Jew. And he said this in Luke chapter 1, verse 1, Inasmuch as many have undertaken to compile an account of the things accomplished among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and servants of the word, it seemed fitting to me as well, having investigated everything carefully from the beginning to write it out for you in consecutive order, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the exact truth about the things which have been taught. You know, I love it that Luke was not a Jew. He was a Roman doctor, a Gentile, who converted, who examined the evidence. And folks, he was contemporaneous. He was there. And he examined the evidence, and he said, there is no way this didn't happen. I know Christ is real because it was in his lifetime. Paul, on the other hand, Jesus rose about 30 A.D., but Paul persecuted the church. He was a Pharisee. He hated Christians. In fact, Acts chapter 8, verse 3, but Paul began ravaging the church, entering house after house, and dragging off men and women. He would put them into prison. He would beat them. He would kill them. Remember, as Stephen was stoned, what was Paul doing? Watching the coats. Yeah, and cheering him on. He's like, man, yeah, kill these Christians. Paul was not empathetic 
to Christianity at all. In fact, he rejected Jesus Christ as Messiah. Yet Christ appeared to him on the road to Damascus. Paul then explored the evidence. He was an educated man. He was a Pharisee, a Jew of Jews. He said, as to the law, I'm blameless. Folks, I can assure you, Paul researched, talked to the eyewitnesses, met Jesus Christ himself in a supernatural appearance, and converted to Christianity from Judaism, and wrote more books than any other author of the New Testament. It's interesting, not more words, though. Luke wrote more content than Paul did. Luke wrote Luke and Acts. But there's more content in that than all of Paul's books put together. Paul was saved about 32 AD when he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. You can read that in Acts chapter 9, verse 3. It says, He was traveling, and it happened as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. Paul didn't meet Peter until 35 AD, three years after his conversion. There's no way Paul uh, contrived with Peter and said, okay, now what are we teaching and what's the story? I mean, Jesus appeared to him. He had an encounter with the Lord God, Jesus. And he went off for three years, and the Lord, the Holy Spirit, instructed Paul. Three years later, later, he meets with Peter, and they're talking about the gospel message, and it lined up perfectly. There was no one that Peter didn't need to correct Paul, and Paul didn't correct Peter. In Galatians chapter 1, verse 18, it says, Then three years later, Paul wrote this, I went up to Jerusalem and became acquainted with Cephas, or Peter, and stayed with them 15 days. The Holy Spirit instructed Paul. So everything that Paul wrote, no man told him. In fact, in Corinthians, he says, The Lord gave me all of these words. Everything, it's the Lord's command that I write. Paul went on to say in Galatians 1.19, but I did not see any of the other apostles except James, the Lord's brother. And remember, James didn't believe until after the resurrection. But after the resurrection, he saw Christ. He couldn't deny it. And, and his brother James then believed. All right, a little uh, background about books from antiquity. Um, Plato wrote about 360 B.C., 360 years before Christ. The latest or earliest copy of his writings is 800 A.D., and we only have 15 different manuscripts. That's 1,000 150 years after he wrote it, and yet no one questions that Plato wrote these writings or the content of the writings. There are some discrepancies between it, the 15 copies we have, but they're not significant. Let me give you an example. The New Testament was written between 50 
even 30 right after Christ died to 90 A.D. The oldest copy we have is A.D. 125. That's about 20 to 50 years after the original writing. We have 8,000 manuscripts of the New Testament. And they all agree 99 point something percent. And the little discrepancies we have between them does not affect the facts of the events that were recorded or theological truth. The Bible is the most authenticated book from antiquity. Extra biblical proof. I'm just going to go over this quickly and then we'll read a little bit uh, more about it later. Cornelius Tacitus, born about 52 AD, uh, was a Roman historian. And he said, persons commonly called Christians who were hated for their enormities. Christus, the founder of the name, was put to death by Pontius Pilate, who was procurator of Ju Judah in the reign of Tiberius. Some really good things here. This was 52 AD, only about 20 or 18 years after Christ rose from the dead. Okay, a Roman historian, a pagan, not a Christian, said Christianity had grown, they were being hated for their enormities, that Christ was the founder and that he was put to death by Pontius Pilate, the procurator of Judea, not Palestine. So in 52 AD, that area was not called Palestine. Palestinians were Jews. Israel belonged to Jews. It was called Judah, Judea, even in 52 AD. Folks, the Bible says in the last days, God said, he predicted, I will draw the Jews where I had dispersed them and they lost their land because they didn't keep covenant with me. But in the last days, I'll draw them back to the land that I gave them. That began to happen in 1917 with the Balfour Declaration, when Britain called the Jews back to the land. The land is not Palestine, and it doesn't belong to so-called Palestinians. They actually were uh, from Jordan and Edom, or the Edomites. The land belongs to Israel. And this Roman historian of 52 AD confirms that the land is Jewish, that Christ lived, and he died under Pontius Pilate. I love that. Who else do we got? Lucian of Samatos, 120 AD. He was a satirist in the second century. He hated Christians. And he said the man who was crucified in Palestine, by then they started calling it Palestine. Why? Because the emperor said the Jews have already been dispersed. They were gone. Uh, Rome had taken over in 70 AD when Titus conquered Jerusalem, destroyed the temple, and you can go to Italy today and see the Arch of Titus, where they have the menorah and the temple artifacts from that very battle in 70 AD. After that, they began to call it Palestine. But in 52 AD, it was still called Judea. He wrote the man who was crucified in Palestine because he introduced a new cult to the world. Interesting. Flavius Josephus, born about AD 37, was a Jewish historian, but he converted to be a, a Roman and actually was the historian for the Roman emperor and the Senate. He mentioned Jesus several times in his writings. 
Like, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works. And we're going to read more about what he wrote later. Sentinos, who was a Roman historian, mentioned Jesus in his writings as the Jews were making constant disturbances at the instigation of Christus, Claudius, the emperor, expelled them from Rome. And that event was recorded in Acts chapter 18. Pliny the Younger, AD 112, was governor of Bithynia, wrote to the Roman emperor Trajan seeking counsel on how to treat Christians. And he said, He made men curse Christ, which is a genuine Christian, cannot be introduced to do. So he would try to get Christians to curse Christ. If they wouldn't, they were executed. And he said those that were legitimate Christians would not deny Christ. Tertullian, a theologian from Carthage, about AD 197, wrote, Tiberius, accordingly, on those days, the Christian name made its entry into the world, having himself received intelligence from the truth of Christ's divinity, brought the matter before the Senate with his own decision in favor of Christ. And so Tiberius was a senator. Thallus, a Samaritan historian about 52 AD, wrote about an eclipse of the sun that occurred in 30 AD. And he said the eclipse of the sun unreasonably as it seems to me at the time of the full moon and it was at the season of Pesach the full moon that Christ died okay there's another historian that wrote about that great solar eclipse when Christ died and we'll get there in a minute Mara Bar Superior wrote a letter to his son about Christ around 73 AD and he said what advantage do the Jews gain from executing their wise king it was just after that that their kingdom was abolished. The manuscripts located in the British Museum. Justin Martyr, about 150 AD, wrote to Emperor Pius about Pilate's report. And he said, where Pilate states he could find no fault in him, but crucified him because of the ensuing riot that would happen if the, uh, the Jews uh, weren't satisfied in his crucifixion. The surviving copy of that report also speaks of the missing body and the eyewitness accounts of the resurrection, and it's dated about 500 A.D. Pliny the Younger was a Roman author and administrator who served as governor of Bithynia in Asia Minor about 61 A.D. He speaks of Christi uh, to 113 A.D. He speaks about Christianity in the providence of Bithynia and also provides facts about Christ. Pliny found that Christian influence was so strong that the pagan temples had been nearly deserted and pagan festivals severely decreased and the sacrificial uh, animals had few buyers. This is why he began to kill Christians. And he wrote a letter saying, I'm afraid all of Rome will become Christian if we don't quell this myth, this superstition in this man, Jesus Christ. Okay, these are all extra-biblical accounts that affirm the gospel, that affirm that Jesus came, lived, died, and even the secular historians say supposedly rose from the dead because there were so many eyewitness accounts. The Talmud, I love this one. So, 
uh, the Talmud and the Mishnah are Jewish writings, and we have exactly what they wrote about Christ. Okay, I love this. The Jews handed down a large amount of oral tradition from generation to generation. This material was organized to subject matter by Rabbi Akaba before his death in 135 AD. A significant quote is found in the Sanhedrin 43, dating just this early period, the time of Christ. It said, on the evening of the Passover, Yeshua was hanged. For 40 days before the execution took place, a herald went forth and cried, he is going forth to be stoned because he has practiced sorcery and enticed Israel to apostasy. Anyone who can say anything in his favor, let him come forward and plead on his behalf. But since nothing was brought forward in his favor, he was hanged on the eve of Passover. Another possible reference to Christ states in the Talmud and the Mishnah that he was either 33 or 34 years old when he died. Many other allusions and possible connections could be mentioned, such as the derision of the Christian doctrine, the virgin birth, references to Mary, Jesus' mother, and there's a mention of his body being taken away or hidden. The Talmud affirms that Jesus lived, was born of a virgin, performed miracles, was crucified on the day of preparation for the Passover, and his body cannot be found. I love that even though they rejected Christ, and this was primarily um, in the Sanhedrin, then not Pharisees who many believed in the resurrection of Christ and literally started the early church, but the Sadducees who didn't believe in a resurrection. And those were the Jews that rejected Christ as Messiah. The tomb of the Lord was sealed by Roman guards. Okay, when Rome guards something, they do it right. Believe me, these soldiers were nothing to mess with. They were typically lifetime trained. They were committed. There's no way the 12 apostles could have stole the body. There's just no possible way. It was sealed and watched over by Roman soldiers. F.F. Bruce, who was a professor at the University of Man Manchester, said, some writers may toy with the fancy of a Christ myth, but they do not do so on the ground of historical evidence. The historicity of Christ is as axiomatic for an unbiased historian as the historicity of Julius Caesar. It is not historians who propagate the Christ myth theory, but uneducated atheist or even atheist who may have an education but have not studied the history of Jesus Christ. So I said we would read more about what Josephus wrote. Josephus was a Jewish historian, again, who was employed by the emperor in Rome. He moved to Rome, lived in the palace there with the emperor, and became the historian for the Senate and for Rome, he had to verify everything he wrote. He wrote this. At this time, there was a wise man who was called Jesus, and his conduct was good, and he was known to be virtuous, and many people from among the Jews and other nations became his disciples. 
Pilate condemned him to be crucified and to die, and those who had become his disciples did not abandon his discipleship. They reported that he appeared to them three days after the crucifixion and that he was alive. Accordingly, he was perhaps the Messiah concerning whom the prophets have recounted wonders. Okay, Josephus wrote that. A lot of people try to say Christians added that to Josephus' works later. He goes on to say, but the younger Ananus, who was, as he said, received the high priesthood, was of bold disposition and exceptionally daring. He followed the party of the Sadducees, who were severe in judgment above all the Jews, as we have already shown. He, therefore, Ananus, was such disposition, he thought he had now good opportunity, as Festus was now dead, and Albinus was on the road. So he assembled the council of judges and brought before it the brother of Jesus, the so-called Christ, whose name was James, and together with some others, and having accused them as lawbreakers, he delivered them over to be stoned. So James died a martyr's death. In fact, all of them died a martyr's death except John. What Josephus affirms here again, is Jesus was the so-called Christ, even though he was writing about James. Josephus further states, now there was about this time Jesus, a wise man who, if it be lawful to call him a man, for he was a doer of wonderful works, a teacher of such men as received the truth with pleasure. He drew over to him many of both Jews, many Gentiles. He was the Christ, and when Pilate at the suggestion of principal men among us, had condemned him to the cross. Those that loved him did not forsake him, and he appeared to them live the third day, as the divine prophets foretold. This and a thousand under, uh, wonderful things concerning him, and the tribe of Christians so named from him are not extinct to this very day. Okay. Very interesting. Josephus was a respected historian. He was not a Christian. He wrote for the emperor and the senate. And all of these quotes are in every copy of Josephus' manuscripts that we have. There's not one manuscript of Josephus anywhere in the world that doesn't contain what I just wrote. It is affirmed, folks, all the extra biblical truth, all the extra biblical findings that we have that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again. I really love that God gave us all the proof we need to defend the faith, to make a defense for the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the most authenticated book from antiquity. It has not been copied. It has not been changed. It is authentic. Of the 8,000 manuscripts, again, the only difference is like 99.3%, and a lot of that is punctuation. None of the real facts, none of the real theological truths are every, ever contradicted. About the sun growing dark when Christ was crucified again. This Flagian, a Greek historian, wrote this. In the fourth year of the 202nd Olympiad, 30 AD, there was the greatest eclipse of the sun, it became night at the sixth hour of the day. That's 12 noon. 
So the stars even appeared in the heavens, and there was an earthquake, and many things were overturned. All right, what do we know what happened on the cross? Luke chapter 23, verse 42, it says, and he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. That was one of the uh, uh, criminals that were being crucified with Christ. And he said to them, truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And it was now about the sixth hour, 12 noon, and darkness fell over the whole land until the ninth hour, three hours. That's not an eclipse. And a secular historian wrote about it. More than just the eclipse that occurred that's recorded in the gospel, so it's verified, but there was an earthquake. Uh, Luke 23, 45 again, because the sun was obscured, the veil... And the veil in the temple was torn in two. And Matthew 25, 51, And behold, the veil in the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And there was an earthquake, and the rocks were split. So we have, again, a secular historian recording the supernatural eclipse of the sun that happened as Christ died on the cross. Isn't that amazing? Everything in the Bible is verified. I love it. Ah. Oh. Origin of Alexandria and against Celsus wrote this. Phlegon in his chronicles mentions Jesus. In the 13th or 14th book, I think, of his chronicles, not only ascribed to Jesus a knowledge of future events, although falling into confusion at some points, as if they referred to Christ, but also testified the result that his predictions actually came true. Interesting. There is so much more extra-biblical proof. It is just amazing. I'm skipping a whole bunch here. All the facts that are affirmed outside of the Bible, even by the Jews that lived when Christ was crucified as they wrote in the Mishnah. Here's what was confirmed. Jesus was from Nazareth. He lived a wise and virtuous life. He worked wonders or miracles. In fact, they called him a sorcerer because he would do miraculous things. He was crucified in Judea under Pontius Pilate during the reign of Tiberius Caesar at Passover, in fact, the day before Passover, the day of preparation, being considered the Jewish king. Jesus was believed by his disciples to have died and risen from the dead three days later. Many people were eyewitnesses to his resurrection and even secular Historians record that. Jesus' followers never abandoned him, and in fact, Christianity spread not many years past that to the point that that um, Roman governor said, we have to kill as many Christians as we can because our pagan temples are empty. Christianity is spread not only in the city, he wrote, but in the country and on the farms. And we know that Christ's disciples went from being scared, timid fishermen into bold, powerful, seemingly educated orators. And Christianity encompassed all of Rome to the point that the whole Roman Empire became Christian by about 400, the late 300 ADs. Folks, the fact of the matter is the Bible is true. The testimony in the gospel is true. And Jesus Christ wants to reveal himself to you this morning. 
I pray that this Resurrection Sunday, you would experience the power of the resurrection of the Lord. That you would again surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Proclaim your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ so that the Holy Spirit may come and strengthen you and bless you and carry you through life's journey. Come on up, worship team. As they come up, it's interesting to note the Encyclopedia Britannica, it's not a Christian book, cites all of these and other secular accounts of Christ's life and says this, quote unquote, these independent accounts prove that in ancient times, even the opponents of Christianity never doubted the historicity of Jesus Christ. Folks, he lived, he died in our place so that we might live for eternity with him. I pray today that you will have a blessed celebration with your family, with your friends, that you will remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ. I was listening to the news radio on the way to church this morning after the sunrise service. And it's a secular station, KNX 1070. And they said, uh, Someone did a survey, eight out of 10 Americans will celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. That's a lot. Eight out of 10. Folks, this nation used to be a Christian nation. We're no longer. No, yeah, make no mistake about it. But eight out of 10 Americans are going to celebrate Easter? Wow, we should be making an impact. We should be shining our light much more brighter than we are and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ with boldness. And restores my soul, satisfies my need. Thank you for listening to Staying the Course with Pastor Brett Peterson. If you would like a copy of this message or would like to submit a prayer request or comment, contact us at 949-888-5777 or email us at info at ccvcu.edu. God bless you as you seek and serve him. Remember, stay the course, and we'll see you next week. I love your word. I love the way it comforts me. Strengthens and restores my soul. Satisfies my need. I love